What's going on, everybody? We are here. Sans music. Because uh, my phone is uploading the, the photos from my iPhone to my Google account. So at least we can do that. And uh, yeah, it's been pretty good. It's taken like six hours to do. But uh, yeah, I guess my Wi-Fi is shit. So what's going on, everybody? We have another episode going. Recording some more content for the the internet. <laughs> Just been hanging out. Um, finished work yesterday. And uh, been keeping up to date with the Olympic boxing. Keyshawn Davis, as I said, is holding his own so far. I know he's got some tough guys ahead of him. He's got a Russian guy coming up. Should be different than who he's faced, more structured, more classic style. He's got a guy from England in his division. I think he's got a Cuban guy. So at this point, he's kind of gone through the, the you know, I don't want to be rude, you know, first off, you know, the, the Netherlands kickboxing is so good. So, you know, I'm not looking down on Netherlands, but they're boxer, they're boxing, and they're not quite famous for their boxing style. And Keyshawn took their guy out, and then he came to France, and this guy was, you know, silver world medalist, silver in the world championships, and but again, you're not talking about a classic style. So those fights were interesting, but I think it's going to get really interesting when you see Keyshawn against, uh, first off, the Russian style, which is a nice drop-drag left or drop-drag right. A lot of circular motion, a lot of patience there. You can look at Usyk. Or Gennady Golovkin, they're going to probe with that jab. He's Kazakh, but similar style with this probing jab. Always stepping outside, controlling the ring, getting that hip control, and, um, and being very smart about their boxing with their footwork. Um, and you're going to see a little less of the reach you know, that, that uh, Keyshawn gets guys to, to start doing. These guys aren't going to reach. They're going to be moving their feet. So you're, you're not going to see a knockout. And, uh, you know, I'll be curious to see. I think the Cuban guy is probably the best in the division. But uh, I wouldn't count out the guy from London either, the, the UK rep. He's uh, England, excuse me. Uh, from England, they have a storied boxing history, obviously, and they've got their whole scene over there. They've got their own scene, their own boxing scene, uh, which is cool. I've always appreciated that, how they have that pugilism, pugilism, whatever it's called, uh, long history of boxing over there, and 
obviously longer than the U.S. Um, but still, they have a, a good, um, you know, style as it's moved forward and progressed a bit. Um, but again, it's a classic style. So the, the guys won't get caught reaching. They're going to keep their head back. They're going to use their feet. They're going to look for ring control. They're going to be patient. They're going to protect themselves. And I think, you know, the key for Keyshawn is probably going to be to be a little patient himself and not get cocky. Control the body shots. Land some body shots and then get them to drop their hands a little bit. Russian guy shouldn't shouldn't present an obstacle that he can't overcome. I mean, he, uh, you know, in my experience, the Russian style boxing is is very exacting. I mean, it's mechanical. It feels like you're boxing against kind of like a machine. I mean, it's really really intense, really well put together, and really heavy handed. Um, but the punching style is very classic, and someone like Keyshawn presents some issues for a classic boxer who is looking to gain, let's say, 16 positions that he can land from, and Keyshawn's kind of willing to take these half positions, sometimes these quarter positions, much, much like a Mayweather kind of, how Mayweather kind of brought that into boxing. Again, I'm not a huge fan, but I did look back on the Mayweather Pacquiao fight and the Mayweather um, on the Mayweather uh, Canelo fight and uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez fight. And um, yeah, that was a good that was a good, uh, good fight. Uh, uh, you know, I, I was last episode, I was pretty tough on Mayweather for not, uh, what I say, not finishing, um, you know, not throwing punches, not landing heavy shots. If you look back at those, I mean, he controlled Pacquiao and he landed some, some direct shots. But what I mean is, it's all, I mean, there, there, he doesn't really throw a hook at all. I mean, that's it. It's all straight right and straight left and uh, and then kind of bounce in and out. And that, that's cool. But, uh, you know, I think if you look back at some of these other classic boxers, uh, the hook the right hook and the left hook were really important to boxing. And, and there's something to be said um, for scoring knockouts and standing toe to toe to people with people. Um, and so I, I, I just don't have uh, Mayweather as the best boxer ever. Uh, certainly the, the hardest boxer to hit ever. Um, the boxer who was like at the matrix. I mean, he, they, you know, he called Lukashenko the matrix people top people were going round after round after round with Mayweather and getting hit straight rights and straight lefts and jabs. I'm sure it hurts. Uh, I'm sure it's heavy. It's quick. 
but um, and they couldn't touch him, right? I mean, they literally couldn't touch the guy. So I mean, he's he's. If you ask me, Floyd in his prime versus Lukashenko, if they were on the same weight class, I, that's a joke. I'd go Floyd every second, and I think Floyd would beat pretty much every guy every time. But I don't have him down as the best ever uh, because of his his draining style and his lack of diversity in punches. Now that said, he did introduce some new styles of punching that when you're super fit and super strong, you can throw and that other guys really don't throw new angles. And uh, Keyshawn Davis has some of those angles, uh, you know, and I think that will benefit him in exploiting some of the weaknesses of the guys he's facing. Now, there hasn't been a, a champion since a uh, gold medalist in the U.S. boxing since Andre Ward in 2004. So we're talking a long time uh, since since uh, a gold medalist. And Andre Ward was a tough dude. Uh, if you watch some of his highlights, he, he was a really – and a bob and a weave, tough guy to hit, and uh, uh, really strong guy. And I think he was able to kind of take a classic style and beat the classic style. Um, but again, this is lightweight, so you're going to see more bounciness and more moving around. I don't think I don't think Andre Ward was lightweight. Andre Ward was uh, he's a middleweight, light heavyweight, yeah. Yeah, he's a gold medalist. Um, and again, I mean, you, you couldn't compare it. On, and, and I think I've seen a few few podcasts with Andre Ward. 32-0 and 0 in his professional career. 32-0, and 0, gold medalist. Uh, he's 37 now. I see his picture here. It looks like he wasn't hit very much. I mean, he's smiling in the picture, and he's uh, he's actually smiling. So I think he kept the concussions pretty pretty limited. Now he was in the light heavyweight division, which it means he was you know up against Kovalev, uh, was his big rival Barrera. Barrera was a good guy, as I recall. Um, Barrera was a real fighter. Kessler. If you remember him, but I think the the toughest challenge would have been Barrera for him. Let's check out Barrera here, Cuban guy. I remember him. He won a gold medal juniors in Budapest. Uh, wow, his record as an amateur was two hundred eighty-five and twenty-seven. Then he finally defected to the United States in 2009. Um, wow. 14 and 2 as a pro. Uh, some tough losses there. The guy fought, I mean, this is Israel Adesanya style. Uh, uh, but, but twice as much as Adesanya, three times as many fights as Adesanya, 285 and 27. 
and wasn't paid a penny for 300 fights, 315 fights. And it wasn't paid. He was paid a, like a salary. Uh, and his first loss was his 18th fight, a professional. His first professional loss or his first post-defection loss was uh, Andre Ward. And Andre Ward took a uh, unanimous decision in Oakland, the Oracle Arena. Um, and as I recall, that was a pretty good fight. And I, why I recall that 2016, I probably watched it. Um, and the reason why I know Barrera, you know, he he was a little bit even after me, but I, I started watching fights in around 2003, boxing. Didn't really get into use UFC till much later. I saw some UFC at a bar one time. It was too much steroids at that time. Because I think the UFC was pretty much entirely steroids for until USADA. So they're still kind of cleaning it out. And um, yeah, so anyways, so the U.S. still trying to get that gold. And I think that Keyshawn Davis has the power. He He's... He does have clean punches. He does have a wide range of cross and hook and jab, and uh, he's quick. He's 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 not super cocky. He he's uh, he doesn't mess around. He doesn't try to bob and weave back on the ropes. You know, he stays forward. He keeps the ring, and uh, I think he's got some decent coaches. Uh, making sure that he, he boxes. So that's been the problem in U.S. boxing, I think, uh, since, you know, since I started watching it, uh, you know, in 2002 or 2003, that the problem's always been twofold. The first is um, a stylistic lack of... Um, I don't want to say willingness to get hit because I know that part of boxing is being super afraid to get really hit. Um, uh, and then planning if you're going to get hit, you know, taking what you can, but super afraid to get hit with a shot. Um, how can I put this? A lack of willingness to land direct, strong, clean boxing punches. And um, I think this started with Roy Jones. He was very unconventional and he started to get a lot of guys who were very unconventional. And of course they can maul people. And then you had Mayweather also very dodgy, very unconventional. Yeah, he throws a cross right. I understand that. And they would say they have the, the cleanest boxing style of of all. Well, they don't throw a hook from either side. So I, I don't think they have the cleanest boxing style. I think they're just Floyd Mayweather is a very strong guy, very fit guy, very smart guy, uses his shoulders well. But it's been a long time since there's been a standard fighter. 
And um, I think Keyshawn's got what it takes. That's my point. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, you could argue Bernard Hopkins had a pretty clean style. Um, and as I recall, he, yeah, he, I mean, he, he just didn't have the strongest chin and I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. I'm sure it's stronger than mine, but, um, as I recall with Hopkins, he he just, when he got knocked a bit, he would just slow down a little bit and really just, he was the best fighter going in, but if someone took a clean hit on him or someone hit him clean, he'd just slow down a little bit and he'd start to get, guys would kind of hip, hip punch him out, you know, they'd start punching around his guard. And, he got knocked around. Antonio Tarver, that that guy was a good fighter, right? I remember him. I saw him fight. He was a he was a tough dude. I used to watch him. Or did I used to watch him? I don't know. Let, let's see. Ninety seven up to two. Yeah, yeah. He was one of those guys. When he stepped in the ring, it was like. So fast, so quick. And I know he wasn't the best fighter of all time, but his his punches were just super quick. And uh, maybe I've got him confused with somebody. I mean, I, I understand that. But some of these guys back then, huge shoulders, super quick punches, and uh, super strong. I mean, stronger than... Then, uh, you know, then you might be willing to spar with. So it's a good time, yeah, watching all those fights. Uh, anyways, moving forward, we've got, uh, and again, I'm sans music. I'm without music today, downloading my my photos from my phone. I am kicking it with the pups right there. She's grooming one of the pups here, grooming herself. She's a sweetheart. She had yogurt for the first time. It's kind of a mess. <laughs> so that's been my day. Uh, yeah, so the Uriah Hall fight just finished and of course uh, the dance marathon continues uh, he finally got out 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 fought um, yeah, those fights are I don't like watching him fight because it turns into a dance marathon every time I think it's ridiculous I know he's jacked I know he's tough I know he's skilled but it looks like people are playing a video game and then they put down the controllers to eat pizza and the two guys just like stand there and move back and forth. I watched the Anderson Silva fight and it was just a joke. 
And uh, Michael Bisping is the commentator, and he's just, you could tell he's just about to go crazy. The guys weren't fighting. They were just dancing, fainting, and bobbing their head, and it was ridiculous. I mean, the fight could have gone 30 seconds. Anderson Silva is obviously done. I don't think he has the power to knock anybody out anymore. I think Uriah Hall pretty much could have just walked in there and crushed him, but he's, he likes to dance. So, right, imagine if he heard me say that, uh, how angry he would be. He'd be like, oh, I like to dance. You think so? I checked out the guy's schedule. Um, uh, history. He's he's got eight losses, ten losses, I think. He's it's kind of weird, right? He's he's got a huge contract, I guess. He must have five more fights on his contract, but he's super boring. I mean, this was like a fight night that I don't think anybody cared about, but the friends of the two guys fighting, and that. But that's cool when you're younger and you tune in and you see that. When it's just like, that's what I was talking about before when I said, when I started watching boxing for the first, first few years, you see these two guys and they're just going at it and, and, uh, it doesn't mean anything. Nobody knows about the fight. Nobody, your friends don't know who the guys are. And you tune in and you watch these two guys, your eye holes jacked. The other guys shredded and they're both trying to take each other out and, you know, you're sitting at home waiting to go out to a bar or something and waiting to meet up with friends. And I used to love that, you know, countless times. There was the HBO boxing Friday nights, I think ESPN Friday nights with Max, whatever his name is. He's now, he now talks about other sports on ESPN with uh, that loudmouth guy, Stephen A. Smith. But Max used to. Max, it was awesome. Max used to commentate uh, legit boxing fights. I don't, I don't know if everybody knows that, but I, I can't imagine you don't know this. But uh, Max Kellerman, yeah. I mean, if you don't know this, where have you been or what do you do? But Max Kellerman was legit making not much money. Um. Uh, no, that, that's not, that can't be. They say he earns $80,000 a year from ESPN. That can't be. That's not, that's impossible. It says currently receives $80,000 a year from sports channel ESPN. Oh, he's married. I had no idea. He's got three kids too. Wow. Wow. I had no idea. Uh, this our neighbor's home. This lady, she taunts the dogs through the window because she thinks like she's connecting with them or something. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine that Max Kellerman isn't pulling over 80, 80k a year. Uh, and if that is the case, what is he doing without an agent? Anyways, 
Yeah, he was on Friday Night Fights in the 90s. And he was straight up doing it. I guess, I mean, his story here is pretty atypical. ESPN hired him. Um, but, uh, I mean, he cut his teeth for sure. He cut his teeth with some pretty extensive boxing coverage over the, over the years. And, um, he was sometimes on it. Brian Kenny was sometimes on it. HBS, HBS. BO World Championship Boxing. He was color commentary on that. And he was smart. And I remember listening to this guy. And it's like, uh, it's funny, isn't it? This guy never boxed before, but he, he gives good points. And he started to get to know it more and more. Um, and uh, and and uh, it was awesome. I mean, he he was there when when guys like me were watching these kinds of nobody fights. I mean, there was somebody. Everybody was somebody. Uh, but he he was just talking about these guys and you know at that time there's no background and that's where I think guys like Dana White really realized what was going on and I've heard an interview with Dana White where he was saying that pretty directly I mean he said look the backstory of these guys um, on our roster on the UFC roster is legit people can connect with it the, the broad audience can connect with the backstory. And if you look back to the what I was talking about, these early HBO and, and, and Friday Night Fight stuff, they never did backstory. And if they did, it's just like Dana White said. It was just some guy came from a poor neighborhood representing his neighborhood. He, they do an interview, you know, repping my neighborhood, love my mom hardworking dad, hardworking, or dad wasn't around and street of, you know, the school of hard knocks and all this. And, uh, yeah, the, the reason why that doesn't work is that that doesn't fit in with the martial concept of, of protecting oneself, which requires a long set of diplomatic, uh, uh, communications, prior to the uh, prior to the actual conflict that occurs um, and of course there, there's a good side to that and a bad side to that now Dana White does a really good job with that I think of managing those kinds of relationships but we have seen it get out of control and I think they've lost control of it in a lot of ways um, with McGregor becoming so popular and there being a lot of bad blood between a lot of guys and that being the main show in some cases. Uh, and that's a sad thing 
because there's really something to be said about, now again, I don't like Uriah Hall that much, but uh, really something to be said about two guys just showing up and going at it and without any backstory. And that, that showcases skill a lot more, I think, than the emotional side of it. Um, but I think the point is that these guys are professionals, like I said. So you get, you get that in the journeyman fights, the professional fights. That's what the story, that's what I like about the Oliveira story is that he's a guy who did that. He's a guy who just still does that, shows up. Now, obviously, he, he's managed that well as they've gotten bigger and bigger and more ego. He's managed that really well dealing with those guys, but he did for years just show up under the bright lights with nobody. Uh, with nobody, right? Um, really focusing on on his, except his team, on his performance. But the technical aspect, that it, and that's what's so cool about it, is people saw the technical aspect and he built his fan base of people who were fans and had respect for good style. And appreciated the skills of his performance so much that they would find out when he was uh, scheduled, you know, the next time. And that's, uh, he's, he's like the people's champion in my opinion, you know? So getting back to it, yeah, Kellerman, uh, it's frustrating that he doesn't do the UFC coverage and you end up with uh, Stephen A. Smith doing it. It's ridiculous. Uh, but that's the way it is. And uh, that's pretty much all the news that I can think of for right now. There's some. There's been some announcements, undercard announcements. There's been some um, rumors floating. You know, I, I saw an interview with Gilbert Burns said he's ready for whatever. And I think that that division, I think something to be said with watching the Usman-Covington fight, watching Usman win the Covington fight more convincingly, and then having um, having uh, what's his name? Uh, whatever. I got to get these guys. That's embarrassing, but just give me a second here. That guy just completely slipped my head. Slipped my mind. Where is he? Oh, yeah, Leon Edwards. <laughs> Not surprising that we forget about him because he's so soft-spoken, right? Such a nice guy. Uh, yeah, so I think you'll have Usman will take out Covington, Leon Edwards, Gilbert Burns for the, for the winner of that. It's a perfect setup. I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, Gilbert Burns is saying he'd fight anybody, Masvidal or, uh, um, you know, even unranked people. And, uh, I think it would be pretty ridiculous for Gilbert Burns to fight Nate Diaz, but 
That's what they said. He said he says he wants to do that, and Nate Diaz is popular. So, but I think what you got to do is Usman, Covington, Burns, Edwards, and then winner of both fight, and maybe even loser of both fight. But I would say give the loser of of Usman, Covington, give them Stephen Thompson, and give him another platform. He, he I, there is a roadmap to beating him, but he's an entertaining fighter. What can I say? Or let Stephen Thompson in the meantime fight somebody who's trying to prove themselves. Like uh, Bilal, maybe, or somebody like that. Other news. Um, obviously, Poirier Oliveira. And uh, Adesanya Whitaker, not a huge fan of that whole division. Jared Cannonier, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight with... Uh, Adesanya. I think that's probably the best fight going, to be honest. I think Cannonier is the only one who could scare Adesanya enough. I, I, if, if he gets by Whitaker, Whitaker's a tough guy. So what, that's, a, that's a fight. I think everyone knows that. Um, yeah, Benil Dariush. Uh, I think he's, he's going to beat somebody. He's got to beat one more to get the unless he sits around long enough. I think he's hoping to sit around and then take the winner of Oliveira Poirier. I don't think they're going to do that for him, though. I think he's got to beat one more guy. And uh, I don't know who that's going to be for him. But if he can continue to impress, uh, that is impressive. That he overcomes these, these guys is super impressive. Obviously, heavyweight division is... On lock. Everyone knows what's going on there. Uh, featherweight, same old story there. I, I think the only thing left to talk about is uh, is really the bantamweight, and obviously that's pretty pretty obvious. I think Peter Yan takes on uh, Dillashaw. As stupid as that is, I, um, I don't think there's anybody out there who 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 hasn't had had a long go about and for whatever it's worth tj dillashaw took two years off and uh the guy's a cheater but cheated took steroids probably for a long time like i said i think the ufc was all steroids till usada uh now it isn't and that's good uh but everyone else i i can't see anyone on the list who's who's got the credentials to fight for the belt, and maybe Dillashaw is the right one to do it. And Moreno, Brandon Moreno, in the uh, the lightweight or flyweight, I don't know in that division. No one ever knows in that division. Obviously, he can just defend it against guys, and he'll get some pay per view from Mexico. And he seems really likable. So I think people, as a as a co main, he can always cover a co main event. Uh, yeah, so the fights to watch out for Adesanya, the, the whole welterweight division and the lightweight division still, those are the ones, uh, except for Yuri Prochaska, watch out for him against Jan Blahovich, hopefully soon, like to see that fight. So that's it signing off, uh, take care and, uh, enjoy. See you next time. Bye.